Welcome to Marketing Thought Leadership, the podcast that offers insightful discussions on thought-provoking marketing topics. Here's the host of our show, marketing consultant, speaker, author, and educator, and the president of L2M Associates, Linda Popke. Hi, welcome to Marketing Thought Leadership. This is Linda Popke, and I'm here today with Jim Lenskold. And Jim is the president of the Lenskold Group. He has brought over 20 years of innovation in marketing ROI measurements and analysis into the mainstream marketing organizations. He consults, he publishes, he speaks, and he has workshops around the world. His book, Marketing ROI, The Path to Campaign, Customer, and Corporate Profitability, is translated into eight languages and was named one of the five most influential marketing books in 2004. His consulting group, Lenskull Group, helps Fortune 1000 and emerging, emerging mid-side companies adopt advanced marketing ROI capabilities and build greater accountability and credibility for marketing. He's had a long, long career. He serves on the advisory boards for CMO Magazine and the CMO Council's Mastering Marketing Performance Measurement Program. So I'd like to welcome Jim. Hey, Linda. Oh, thank you. I'm glad you're here. So, Jim, we're going to talk today about marketing ROI, which is return on investment. And that's the process for incorporating financial and measurement discipline into marketing. So let's start out by, let me ask you, this current decline in economic conditions, how has that influenced the use of marketing ROI? Well, that's, uh, it's definitely a good place to start. So if we think that, in general, marketing ROI is intended to help marketers spend smarter, right, make sure we get more returns for the budget dollars we have to work with, um, it's not really a surprise that uh, now, you know, in, in any condition, you'd want to be putting marketing ROI in place and delivering better results. But as budgets get tighter, really what happens is you get more and more questions from executives and people outside of marketing saying, hey, give us um, some idea of what we're getting for this budget dollar. So the pressure gets on um, the executives. The executives push that down into marketing, and it just raises the scru- scrutiny on the, the marketing dollars. So the, the interest level, the demand for ROI goes up. Um, the one thing, and we just included this uh, question in a survey, an annual survey we conducted, that the results will be out in May. But we're seeing, I think it's roughly 6 in 10, 7 in 10 marketers are saying that the demand for ROI is going up, but the vast majority of them are saying, uh, while it's going up, we're not giving any additional resources for the measurements and analysis that would help us actually act on it. So we, we need to do more with less. Yes, and, and so it's, it's unfortunate, right, because we would all love to say that, hey, we, we've been building marketing ROI processes and capabilities, so when budgets get tight, we have some sense of where we're going to look to how well we're doing, how we're going to assess ROI, and, and, and use that infrastructure that we have in place. However, I think what we're seeing is that, um, you know, we're getting asked the questions, and, and we're hearing a lot from people that are saying, you know, now I really have to answer the question, and, and what do I do? And so there's um, the, the pressure's on, and in some ways you almost hope that marketers could look at it as an opportunity and say, all right, if, if we're going to have to go through and do this, let's do it in such a way that we can address the short-term need to get more with less, but we could also establish some processes that are going to last beyond just the short-term need. Often we get focused on you know just what's coming in the next quarter or before we can 
see the, the upturn, and we know that this downturn, even though it's lengthier than most, is not going to last forever, and there will be an upside. And we'll That's right. That's measure right. marketing as we move forward. Right. And what right. we want to be careful about is um, you know, sometimes there's that tendency to say, hold the marketing budget steady even while, while the, the revenue potential drops because it's a good long-term strategy. And that can work in some cases, but what we don't want to do is, is be foolish about it and just take that as a general rule. What we want to do is to say, hey, there's, there's, there's revenues less out there, but there's still revenue out there. So how do we get smart about going after the right customers and, and making sure we do what we can to win the revenues out there, but not do it, not overspend unless we have a clear plan for how that's going to pay back in the long term. That makes sense. That makes sense. So, so tell me, Jim, and this is something that I've seen in my own experience. Many, if not most, marketers would like to measure the return on their marketing investment, but we're creative people, so we don't think that way. We right. get a little nervous with all these financial things. So it, it's just there's there's kind of whether it's just not that easy or there's a mental barrier for marketing people. What are some of the common challenges that you see in in having people implement an ROI system? Yeah, well, well, you're right in the in the thinking there. In other words, we we do know in some businesses, you know, that there's data limitations, uh, or or there's certainly measurement challenges, and uh, and and even the analytics. All these potential tools we have at our disposal, um, they can be challenging. They can get complex in some situations, but it's the thought of those being complex and challenging that is really more of our barrier. So I think what you're referring to there is a lot about the mindset. We are, we're creative. We, you know, uh, most marketers have a good sense of strategy and what it takes to motivate customer behavior, which is absolutely what we need to deliver the result. The thing is we're, we're not automatically programmed to say, well, you know, how do I get the financial accounting side of this right and how do I make sure I tap into these analytics and, and modeling and measurements that are going to give me the, the feedback. So as, as we look to say, you know, how do we address these challenges, I think one of the first steps is to say, you know, let's agree first that it's a good thing to do. That, and this is what over the years we've seen a real shift in the mindset here that, that we get many more marketers saying, all right, you know, Help, let, help build the structure and help build the framework so that this data flows to us. Because actually, people are realizing that hey, if the right information flows on it, we're actually very good at acting on it. Right, right. But what, but what happens is, you know, the part that gets missed is, um, especially with measurements, it's very often an afterthought. And yep. so I have a couple clients that we're dealing with right now, and it's, it's pretty continuous. We always have them over the years where you realize that as you're going to put in measurements after the fact, you're just so restricted. And what, what we're trying to do is, is have that be built into the upfront process. So as soon as the strategy is getting developed on the marketing side, the measurement plan, the measurement strategy is being put in place. And that makes a lot of sense. Right in. There's, yeah. there's really big wins that could come out of that. Yeah, absolutely, because certainly what we want to do is we want to be successful, and if we set up front, these are the measurements, these are the ways we're going to see if we're being successful. That helps all of us. That's right. That's yep. right. And one, one of the things, and we're seeing that this with a client right now, or we're, we're helping them see it, I should say, is that uh, sometimes as marketers we just think that the measurements belong on the end, and what we do is we miss the opportunity to build in some feedback really early in the marketing program that actually can make that the, the marketing program we're measuring 
more successful. In other words, get some early indication and in so, where there's opportunity to do some shifting in the budgeting, the strategy, the, the, the budget allocation across different media channels. You know, why not get that read and actually um, be able to take advantage of it? And one of the things that, uh, that, that marketers should really be attentive to now is um, the opportunity to, you know, when we feel like those budgets get pushed down too much, well, the, the big win in today's marketing world is that if we could heavy up marketing in a couple markets or a couple different pockets, different areas, and show that the, we actually get a lift in results, it's much easier to walk back into management and say, look, here it is. We, we actually have, there's more profit potential there. We could actually deliver. We could drive sales. So this is why we think you, you should find the money, fund us, and we'll actually bring it back to you. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I, I think to one of the points you just mentioned a, a few moments ago, which is we, we kind of want to have this at the end, but wouldn't it be better to get a measurement early in the process when you can actually make a change and impact a program or initiative? Right, right. As opposed now, to saying, oops, look at right. how well we did or didn't do. That's right. And so it, on the longer campaigns, the bigger campaigns, we build that in during the, the, the whole marketing initiative. And where there are quicker ones, what tends to happen with quicker ones is you're more likely to, run that at the end, but you know these quicker ones generally repeat and run again. So now right. we're still measuring and we still have the opportunity to kind of adjust our, uh, our next wave, our next activity at when we put that out there. Great. That's wonderful. So yeah. tell me something. So Jim, you know, there's a lot of talk these days about social media okay, and, uh, and right. other emerging marketing channels. And you know, the question is how do you measure social media? And, and one of the problems that I see is that people tend to measure things that are easy to measure, which may not be the right metrics. Right. So what's your suggestion on this? How can we implement some ROI in areas of blogging or Twitter or other social media? Right, right. Well, this, obviously this is an area that's, that's still emerging. And so what we see a lot of as the question comes up is that a lot of it is in kind of an experiment mode, which is good. We, do, we totally encourage that companies should understand what, these new channels can do for them. Um, but what happens is when we try to get it back to measurement opportunities, very often it's not really clear on the strategy and objectives. In other words, we know there's something good out there and so we want to be involved. We get our company engaged. But a lot of times the media channel doesn't really matter as much as um, what we're trying to accomplish and, and running through the scenario. So what we want to know is, you know, who are you reaching? You know, where in that buying decision, uh, you know, what points are you influencing? So is it, are you getting people that, you know, are close to the purchase decision and you reach them at the right time and, and you can influence that? Or are they really early on where you're just trying to get them kind of understand your, your value proposition and get them to the next stage of possibly looking further into your company? And as you map that out, you know, that starts heading you down the path as to what you're going to measure. Uh, you still have to do some work on, on how you measure because you have right. to get some read. But the, the other pieces I think that tie to it is, are, you know, one, with the social media, are we getting a critical mass? And, and in a sense, is it scalable? Right. So I think one of the challenges that, that you find is that um, a lot of, uh, like a couple of case studies that I've heard of where someone goes out, they spend a lot of time getting on blogs and, and getting responses out there and doing all these different small initiatives, and when it adds up all that time, 
relative to how many people actually get exposed to that and how much in, the degree of influence, it just seems a little bit out of whack. Right. You take that and you look at the other extreme where I think the ones that have been ex- successful, you know, is where companies go out there and say, hey, you know, make your own commercial for us or get involved and, and you know, almost put it in the hands of the the consumers out there, mm-hmm. which is really what this space is for. You know, it's not really meant for, you know, someone jumping on a blog and talking great about their company. Right, right. right. You it's really have to motivate others to talk well about you. So people making commercials, getting, you know, products do have fans in a sense. When you get that motivated and, and talking about you, you know, those are the things that are going to be more likely to to have that scale. And once you get to scale now, it, it's more likely to show up in your key metrics. And it's going to either show up as some short-term spike, right? We got a lot of noise in the marketplace, and we see either more web traffic or um, uh, we see some of our brand metrics move up, or maybe we see sales move up. Or, uh, you know, possibly if it's, if it's large enough scale, it can factor into some of the modeling we'll do to see where we see the lift in terms of, uh, you know, more social media and so more social activities, mm-hmm. the, the data points we get there related to more sales. Right. And I just want to stress too, Jim, I, I think you're in agreement that more is not always better here. Having more friends on Facebook or LinkedIn right. or tweets or whatever is That's not right. necessarily the metric. No, and in fact, this is where I think where companies are are a little bit weak in terms of the objectives. It still has to come down to, you know, are you reaching the right target audience? I mean, you can get a lot of people involved in your brand but and, and, and in different activities, but are they the ones that are going to buy? Are they the high-value customers for you? Are you, you putting time? Are, are, are you going to have something that let's even make sure that it fits the strength of that social channel? In other right. words, like we were saying, don't go in and start trying to sell. That, that's where it doesn't work. But yeah. can you find ways that it still comes across as very – um, a natural fit to the social media where people, other people are talking good things about you. This is where I think it's, it's a challenge, especially when you look at return on investment. You know, how much can a company invest into social media when in reality, you know, what are you spending on? What are you buying? Right. Well, it, in reality, actually, if you, if you back it up, some of the best ways to improve the social media or to reinvest in your product and the customer experience, ah. in which case they'll talk about it, right? Exactly, that's but right. marketers, yeah. we just think, well, media channels are where we talk about ourselves. So it, does, it requires a little bit of a, uh, a shift in mindset and really saying, look, you know, when we put money or effort against this, where, who's going to change behavior to what degree and how does that ultimately influence who's going to buy? That's the discipline we're trying to get in the rest of marketing as well, right? Make sure we can see the return before we spend the money. So speaking of returns, Jim, from your perspective, because you've worked with just a wide range of of companies all over the world in terms of measuring their marketing ROI, where are the best returns or profit opportunities that you see in marketing investments today? Right, right. Um, And especially, uh, you know, I think what, what would be at the top of my list would be at the top at any point in time. I just think the importance of it is elevated because of the conditions today. And Really, just the general rules. You know, number one, you have to understand and where you're putting money against a target audience. Targeting drives ROI more than anything. So, 
we know we want high value uh, customers. We also want high potential. In other words, who can we win? So in today's w world, if our sales are declined, which I think is going to apply probably to more companies than not, yeah. if the sales are declined because the, the whole, you know, our competitors, everyone's down, then how do we get smarter at saying, look, the reality is there's still people buying today. There's um, some that buy more than others, you know, so this, this ability to understand and dig down into that is where we, um, where we can get big wins. And uh, one other thing, if, if we have enough analytics to back it up, is to say, you know, maybe we can target, take our targeting down to w the ones that maybe aren't buying as much today, mm. but are the ones that will be the big buyers as the economy returns and, and resumes back to its normal levels. We still have to be careful not to overspend and overinvest when, you know, the potential returns are really far out. But if we could be smart about, you know, who, it's all, you know, again, in any conditions, it's all about understanding customer buying behavior. Right, right. You know? Uh, I think some people jump then and say, well, we should only do retention. And that works for some companies if you know your business model well. It, but it doesn't mean you can't do smart acquisition. Who can we win? And, and how does our value proposition play in today's world versus others? So targeting is the big one. I think the other one just to keep in mind is um, it really is about making sure our investments work together throughout that customer funnel. So right. if we've got, if we had budget cuts that really hit one of our media channels, you know, or, or something, we just pulled something out of the mix, what we have to be careful about is that we didn't, we don't just, you know, pull something out that is one of those critical, one of the uh, strengths in, in those steps. You're better off going to fewer customers and being really effective all the way through the funnel than losing, you know, becoming weak in any area of the funnel, right? right. But, and and you know, depending on the business model, that might mean being real attentive to the last stage in the buying cycle where it's either in retail or it's in your sales organization uh, or in your channel partners and not to just keep, you know, just uh, doing pieces well without seeing how it all ties together. Right. So right. That makes sense. Wins. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jim. This has been wonderful. I've got one more question for okay. you. What would you suggest if you could give us just one thing at the marketer can do, your typical marketer can do to start improving their return on investment. Where should we get started? What would you recommend? Yeah. Um, well, I think if we pick up on that, that thought we were saying there about the being effective in the funnel, okay. um, it's almost like thinking about um, um, you know, using a rifle instead of a shotgun. Okay. Which we have to be real precise. And, and if we were going to do that, I'd say uh, the, the couple things to keep in mind, you know, let's see if we can't understand what drives our profitability? In other words, get a little bit of analysis in terms of either the types of customers, the, the products we can sell now, and zero in and say, you know, the most impact we can have for the business is to really keep this part of our business doing going well. And once we zero in on those, the profit opportunities that are there, we then can do the basic ROI that says, you know, how much can we spend to win that? that set of customers or that, that convert, you know, X amount of sales. And so even a basic ROI, uh, I think, helps us make the case for where we put our money and maybe unlocks the, uh, the potential for where we can go back for additional funding. You know, but at least if we can be smart about it, we make a good case, we know it's the right thing to do. We can also convince people outside of marketing that's the right thing to do.
Yes, well, thank you so much. We've been chatting with Jim Lenskold. Jim is the president of the Lenskold Group, and he's also author of, of what I think is one of the best books on the subject. It was probably one of the first and still the best book, Marketing ROI, The Path to Campaign, Customer, and Corporate Profitability. Um, you can reach Jim at info at lenskold.com, and I'm going to spell that, L-E-N-S-K-O-L-D.com. And if you are to email Jim um, or go to his website, which is www.lenskold.com, you'll find a lot of information about Marketing ROI and also find out about his newsletter. So thank you, Jim. It's been great to have you with us today. Thanks so much, Linda. It was a real pleasure. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Marketing Thought Leadership, brought to you by L2M Associates. If you'd like to find out how you can improve the return on your investment in marketing programs, processes, or people, contact us at www.l2massociates.com.